one of the things we've talked about on and off in this series, and specifically when I talked about the metaphor of climbing the mountain that turned out not to be the peak that you thought it was, is the question of how you decide to relinquish a position which on the face of it seems perfectly satisfactory, but just on the ground that you think that there might be something better up ahead. And this is a decision that's very difficult to do in an entirely logical, quantificatory way, because it's very hard to measure the benefits of something that you can barely see. After all, your attempt to climb the next mountain may not be successful. You may not even get as high as you did on the one where you reached the summit. So the decision has got to be based upon some sort of criteria, but what are they? And I think that it really is what I was talking about in episode 26, which is this really important feeling of being at one with yourself, feeling comfortable, feeling that where you are is in some sense or other where you ought to be without in any sense implying that there is some external ought, but where you in your own existence ought to be. And to find such a sweet spot, as the golfers call the spot on the club where they're trying to hit the ball, to find such a sweet spot is, I suppose, to be, well, more than happy. It is to reach a kind of integrated wholeness, even if it doesn't involve entire consistency or even very much consistency. You find yourself happy with what you're doing, with who you are, from one day to the next, even from one hour to the next, one minute to the next. So that it satisfies the criterion that we have talked about before of being a situation that you'd happily settle for, for nothing, and would prefer, of course, to be paid for, but you'd be perfectly happy to settle for it for nothing and to do it for nothing, because to labour in that sense is its own reward. And to find such a point is perhaps to find the point where you decide not to try and go any further. I can remember a colleague, I won't name him, no longer with us, who had spent his childhood in a particular school, who'd gone off to a very prestigious university and done very well, and then more or less, I think it was a bit of national service involved between the two, more or less gone back to the school that he'd originally been at as a teacher and stayed there for the rest of his life. And when he was asked, well, didn't you ever feel that there may have been more to life than this? He would simply say something along the lines of, when you found something that you think is the best, then you go on doing it. 
there's, re there's no reason at all even to consider leaving or changing. Now those who find their way into such a position, I suppose, could be said to have found a kind of truth, a kind of way of living that is self-fulfilling, self-rewarding, and therefore in a sense self-authenticating. But I wonder how many people ever really do reach such a position, and those that do, how many of them only convince themselves to stay where they are, when there is in fact a great deal more that they could do, and perhaps higher summits that they could climb and achieve and reach. I don't have an answer to this question. I think that some small residual element of dissatisfaction with any situation, any position that we find ourselves in, is probably healthy. Because there is always the thought, well, I could do better. I could find a more resonant depth or a summit with better views or however you want to reconstrue the metaphor and so there's always got to be some chance for someone somewhere that they could do better if they just chanced their arm and reached out for something that they couldn't for the moment even see or even dream but they just feel that it's there. And I suppose that's what we do with our theories, with our truths. We sometimes find ourselves persuaded by something for many years, even for centuries, as was the case with, well, Aristotle's theories held sway for nearly 2,000 years. Newton's for two centuries, two and a half. Einstein's are still going strong even now. But we're still trying to do better. We're still trying to fill in a few gaps, reconcile a few contradictions, find some sort of unified theory of everything. I don't think we'll ever entirely succeed. I think it's a fantasy. But I do think that it's something that we always want there to be something more, better, more comprehensive, more whole than we've already found. And that's what down the centuries has led people to be adventurers. I mean, I'll think about it. This is almost the example of, you know, if you're a rich, young heir to a country, a state with lots of money and prestige and so on, and you decide to go off and explore the world or fight a war or do something ridiculously extravagant that leads to your demise, a lot of people would say, well, what a fool. But the alternative is a sort of comfort that perhaps is stultifying, suffocating, self-destructive. 
that there does need to be the possibility that we can find a new, better place than where we currently are. The world would love us to settle and bits of ourselves would love us to settle because that's the nature of existence, particularly if you've had a, a life where you've had to struggle and you find a sweet spot, you're likely to try to say, stay there and settle for it. But life has an uncomfortable way of disturbing that equilibrium, even if we are trying to hold on to it. So I'm not quite sure what all this amounts to. But I am conscious that it is one of the unsolved problems that I've left behind in this series. How do we, why do we decide to move on from what to all intents and purposes looks like almost paradise if we find it? Because people do. We all do. We all have a sense of adventure, sometimes it comes to something, sometimes it comes to nothing. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained is the saying, but sometimes what we've already gained is arguably as good as, maybe even better than we could ever have reasonably expected. So there's a curious lacuna, a gap an unfilled question in this whole account and I wouldn't want to pretend to have given a satisfactory answer to it because I haven't got one. All one can I think say, and perhaps this is the answer, is that there's no systematic formulaic way to answer the question at all because there's no systematic formulaic way to answer any question really in a way that satisfies its peculiarities. So the particular circumstance in which we might find ourselves is one where, rather like the random decay of an atom, we either will do something or we won't. We'll make up our mind to change something or we won't. And sometimes there just isn't a reason. Sometimes looking for a reason, particularly looking for a reason that you could grab hold of in advance of actually disturbing the equilibrium, that is the mistake. We just come to a point where we say, I've had enough. It's time to move on, whatever it may be, in whatever way it may be involved. And that's... Uh, entirely consistent position with the view that we've been following that the truth about yourself about what's best to believe about where it's best to locate yourself the truth is always just for now for as long as it resonates for as long as where you are resonates for as long as you can say this is where I am and this is for the moment at least, where I feel right to be, that it is right to be, that I ought to be, in some sense of the word, dictated by my own values. And that, I think, almost brings us to the end of this 
series, 27 episodes on truth. But I'm only saying that because right now I can't think what might be into episode 28, if there is one. Thank you for listening.